0: Hello and welcome back to The Todd Pod. I'm Todd Lisenby, your host. And before we get to our guest today, the great Garen Emick, I want to thank some of our sponsors here at The Todd Pod. MidFirst Bank, the Laser Light Skin Clinic, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Fire Lake Casino, and Oklahoma Ford dealers. Don't forget to drive into your best in Oklahoma Ford dealers today for the best deals on Ford's full lineup of trucks and SUVs. Ford is the best in Oklahoma. And a guy who literally, a few years ago, was voted the best in Oklahoma when it comes to sports writers. Garen Emig is my guest today. Garrett, hello, my friend. Long time Long no time. talk. How you been?
1: Yeah, good to see you. I've been great. Enjoying football season like I'm sure all of our listeners and viewers are, right?
0: No doubt. No doubt. Let's start uh, Let's start with what, where you were at last weekend. You were in Stillwater. This great revival of Oklahoma State football that's happened the last <laughs> couple weeks. Uh, thanks to the Sunflower State coming into town and getting beat
1: up on. Things yeah. are a
0: little bit different right now when it comes to the vibe around Stillwater, right?
1: Yeah, I'm sure everyone figured after the Cowboys came home from Ames two and two, and lucky to be two and two, that they would turn things right back around against two of the two of the team I don't know if they were called the hotter teams in the league. That would have been Oklahoma and Texas probably, but maybe three and four in whatever order. Heading into those two games, and uh, it's it's Mike Gundy, man. I've settled on it. Every time you think you've got him in a corner, he can't get out of, he gets out of it. And I don't know what he did <laughs> or who he met, um, what kind of voodoo he brought back from whatever trip he went on at one time in his life. But it's come in handy again because the, all of a sudden, an offense that looked just you know flatlined. Through four games, well, really three. They they did okay at Iowa State. That wasn't the reason they lost to the names, but you know what I mean. Coming out of South Alabama, you, there wasn't much hope for uh, the quarterback position, for the running back position, for the offensive line. And so for for the Cowboys, particularly on defense, on offense to turn things around is is rather remarkable and a tribute, a, a sincere tribute to the job not just Alan Bowman and Ollie Gordon have done and their roles in that, which are obvious, but Um, the coaches who have gotten into the lab, so to speak, and figured a way out of their problems.
0: I think it's interesting as well. Like a lot of Oklahoma State fans, they figure out how you've got to get from point A to point B, which is the quarterback's got to get the ball in Brennan Presley's hands. They've got to hand the ball off to Ollie Gordon. But that part in the middle of how you get from point A to point B is something that Mike Gundy is a genius at figuring out. And, Mm -hmm. We probably don't give him enough credit for it, Garen, especially on the offensive side of the ball, just the things right. that they've been able to do and the different ways they've been able to do it over his entire tenure.
1: Yeah. And, and I'll say this, he's not, I don't think real comfortable with the state of the offense. He clearly isn't because it's not the offense that sort of made OSU football, OSU football, starting back when Brandon Whedon was slinging it, right. Uh, you know, all over the field and putting up huge numbers and in sort of introducing that version of osu football to the rest of of fbs nearly playing for a national championship while they were at it well they were able to, to continue to do that up through mason rudolph even some into taylor cornelius and spencer sanders although that wasn't sanders forte they cannot do it with this offense with the quarterbacks receivers and even as as well as as the line has played todd in the last two games it's. It's not necessarily a an old line you want to count on giving five seconds of protection with. And so, yeah, Gundy has figured out ways around what sort of made him famous and what, what you know made him a national name or brand, as they call it now. And that is to his credit. And if a lot of fans near and dear to Stillwater wanted his head on a platter after South Alabama and even coming home from Iowa State. I wonder what their response would be if you ask now. Maybe, maybe there's still some bitterness over all sorts of things, but I, I think they would at least admit that, um, that they're probably still lucky that, that he's OSU's head coach.
0: As far as Casey Dunn goes, he got a mm-hmm. lot of stick early on in the year um, and probably rightfully so coming out of that South Alabama game. How much right now has, has his reputation changed over the last couple of weeks and then also on the defensive side of the ball with Brian Nardo?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't know about reputation, but they're in a better place, clearly. And I think because I think for Dunn, the reason's pretty, pretty easy. They settled out on Alan Bowman at quarterback. He, he said it himself after the K-State game. When Bowman started getting all of the practice reps during the, you know, the off week, the bye week leading up to K- uh, K-State, all of a sudden, coordinators sort of knew what he had at the most important position on the field and can, could work you know, a play, a play chart, a scheme, whatever you want to call it, around what Alan Bowman did best. And so we're, we're thinking that this has been beneficial to the players, mostly Bowman and Gordon in terms of a settling of QB1 and RB1. But you know the guy who's benefited most is done. You know, he's, got, he's got a shot now. Uh, he he's not having to, to think, well, what if Gunnar Gundy's in the game? What if Garrett Rangel is in the game? What if uh, Jaden Nixon or Elijah Collins are getting handoffs and not Ollie Gordon? That stuff has stopped. And so that has been the secret, I think, for, for Dunn. Nardo is just going to have to take some lumps and sort of grow up in a new system, in a new league with new players, sort of like Derek Mason did. Uh, a year ago, before him, and obviously Jim Knowles did for a few years before things really started to click. I don't know if they'll ever the Cowboys will ever click like they did in Knowles last year. Uh, Todd two years ago to OSU, but if you if Nardo could just stay above water in his in his first season with this team and in this league, um, he he shows me he's got the goods to to sort of ride it out and and gradually build from from this experience.
0: It's so interesting because you know for oklahoma state i i think we just said that mike gundy does a great job of getting the most out of his players but i think every fan that's an oklahoma state fan at the beginning of the season was pulling their hair out going why Mm -hmm. is there three quarterbacks out there and now it's got to be frustrating for the fans to hear oh the offense looks better because we're not playing three quarterbacks when the fans were yelling for them to not do that from week one so i think that's going to be interesting how it all plays out um you know, I thought Rangel was the guy. I thought it was interesting. They did play three quarterbacks, and most fans kind of put Alan Bowman third on the list, mm-hmm. I think, through through the games that they played all three. So it's worked out pretty well, and I think you're seeing in the Big 12 right now between Mike Gundy, Matt Campbell, two coaches who have mm-hmm. figured out how yep. to get the most out of their talent and beat the bottom half of the league. And if you can do that this year, you're going to be in good shape because the bottom half of the league is is
1: pretty bad this year. Mhm and the bottom half of the league is what OSU has still to play outside of Bedlam and the trip to Morgantown this week and so all of a sudden when we're all wondering just how how you know how far down the drain is this going to go and what kind of you know rabbit does Gundy have to pull out of his out of his visor to get the team to a bowl game any bowl game uh now the question is starting to become you know where where is this headed uh, up, not down, and uh, gosh, I think it was Rashad Owens. I, I asked him after um, the K State game at practice the next week whether he watched um, the OU Texas game during his during his time off, and he gave an answer along the lines of. We don't play because I said, isn't it weird? You're you're really scouting one of those two teams, right? You're going to play OU. You're not playing Texas. Texas not on your schedule. And he was sort of quick and right to remind me that well, we could play Texas, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, in Arlington, and you, you, we would have all sort of giggled at such a at such an idea three weeks ago. Now you, I, I'm not saying, I'm not saying book it or, or even count. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't even hedge a bet on that, but. Uh, not only is is there a mathematical possibility, but if you look at the way the schedule sets up, given how college football tends to get a little crazy starting mid to late October every year, uh, this this could get very interesting, is what I'm saying in Stillwater.
0: Well, and don't remember or don't forget. Remember, don't forget. If there's a tie between Oklahoma State and Texas yeah um if Oklahoma State wins Bedlam that's going to be the tiebreaker because they don't have a head-to-head against each other I think it's going to go to the next best ranked team and I would think Oklahoma would be that team so um you're right the Cowboys are definitely not out of it we're going to talk about Kansas uh, quite a bit because the Jayhawks came into Oklahoma State last week got beat they've got an interesting quarterback situation going on Mm -hmm. and I know you wrote about it a little bit they're on an off week it I don't know if you're a Kansas grad, and I know you follow Kansas football closer than I do, but it feels like every year Kansas or Kansas State 1 plays OU-OSU back-to-back. It seems mm-hmm. like that happens more often than not, and this year it's the case again for Kansas. They just get the bye week in between. But before we talk about Kansas, the newcomers in the Big 12 right now, you know, I, I said this week in uh, one of my stories I wrote over at selloutcrowd.com, it's like ogre – giving skolnick a wedgie on revenge of the revenge of the nerds right now what what the upperclassmen in the big 12 are doing to the freshmen right now oh, it's, it's it's pretty bad how bad they're beating up on the bottom part of the league which is the new schools are you surprised because i think we knew cincinnati was probably going to be down yeah houston was going to be down and ucf has had some injury issues with john reese plumley but you know, BYU just looked god awful last weekend against TCU. Mm-hmm. You know, I mentioned UCF, they blow that giant lead against Baylor. The the new teams in the Big Twelve are just getting I mean, they're getting swirlied right now.
1: They are. And I don't I don't know if I'm surprised because I didn't really know how this was gonna work. I had I had no clue. Like I when I was at the world, the Tulsa World before coming aboard sellout, I I did, like a lot of writers and columnists do, a weekly Big Twelve football. You know, pole, power pole, right. whatever you want to call it. And one of the first things I thought in August when, you know, sellouts started coming together and we started to think about different, you know, different ways to present our content. And, and you know, do we want to keep things that we used to do? Uh, do we want to come up with new ideas? One of the things I thought was, thank God for Barry Trammell. You're taking the Big 12 poll off my hands because I would have had no bleeping idea what to do with UCF Houston, Cincinnati and BYU. I, they, it wouldn't have surprised me, Todd, if they'd if they'd made a run the other direction, if they'd actually come in and surprised us by how well they were able to compete. For, I and I got to be honest. My, sitting down and watching Houston play West Virginia the other night—that's the first time I've really spent more than two hours on the Cougars, right? I mean, when I went to Cincinnati to cover the Sooners and the Bearcats, that's the only time I've watched a Cincinnati game start to finish. So I'm I'm not the expert on what's gone wrong at all four places. You brought up some, some obvious points about injuries in Orlando and, and uh, the coaching change without Fickle at Cincinnati. I think it's had a, had a detrimental effect. Holgerson's under a lot of pressure at Houston. Some coaches handle that better than others. Uh, I, I, just know that, um, I just know it's been a transition. I'll say this. Venables ben, had his press conference today, and it was asked if, the, if, he's, if it was any surprise to him if the four newbies were struggling like they were. And, and he at first sort of dodged it, before getting into the transition he felt when he left Oklahoma for Clemson and all of a sudden had to try to figure out a, a brand new league and, and, a, and his own program. And that can be a pretty daunting experience uh, for, for any coach undergoing a fundamental change. And so maybe we land there, someone who knows more about football than you and I put together and realize that this was always going to be a, a task uh, made more difficult by other circumstances. s we'll, I, I think, Hey, I'll say this when Oklahoma goes to Provo, I still think that's a buckle up night, right? I, I still think that is a really interesting game and could be a very dangerous one. If the Sooners are still undefeated when they go to BYU. So they may they're down, but I, I to me, all four are, are far from out and all four will have a say in, in, in how this thing shakes out.
0: Well, I, I think central Florida is going to be a sleeping giant in the coming future with, with that area, with how big that school is and, you know, the money that's starting to come in behind that school, where it's located. I think they're going to, they're going to be a team in the big 12 that does challenge in the next five or six years. Um, And I'm with you. I think for Oklahoma, to me, when you look at right now, talent wise, I don't think there's anyone left on the schedule that has more talent than Oklahoma does. So I start to look, where are the weird, where are the weird places to go play? And I think they've got three of them on the schedule, right? I mean, Lawrence Stillwater, and Provo are all for different reasons, exactly. very weird places to go yep. play and i I mean it's going to be a task for the Sooners to come out of all three mm-hmm. unbeaten. Let's talk about the Lawrence trip for Kansas because the Jayhawks coming out of that loss last weekend. Jason Bean looked good and he has looked good when he's come in at times as a backup, but they're not the same team without Jalen daniels what what is the what's the situation there? i mean I know injury's been thrown out there's rumor that n i l might be at play. <laughs> Did that one? Did that one feel weird to you covering the game the other night? Just just asking about his status.
1: Well, yeah, I, I asked Lance Leipold a question in the postgame, but it wasn't about Jalen Daniels. Someone else did, to their credit, because that I think that's the story. If you're if you're covering Kansas, it's are we going to see him again? Not just this year, but but ever. Right. And I I thought it was an interesting response. He pivoted to a year ago when there wasn't uncertainty about his. Future period in Lawrence, but there was about his availability over the over the last stretch of the season, and the way Leipold put it was a year ago. I was never told it was a season-ending situation. Well, sure enough, he did come back, um, and and played and and out actually outplayed KJ Jefferson. Kansas didn't win the bowl game in Memphis, the Liberty Bowl, but but he actually put up better numbers in Jefferson that night. He he went there again Saturday in Stillwater. He said, "I am not there's there's no one who said to me this is this is it." I think the only thing I know Todd is that I, it was, or it has been a back issue. doesn't sound like you'd be very comfortable to play football with a back issue. I I can't even ride my my bicycle with, with, you know, my lower back being uh, jacked up. So to think about punishment and and a Kansas quarterback still takes a few hits, they're getting better, but they're not that good. Uh, I, 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 I see why this would be a real dicey situation. So I don't know. I know I would say this much. It's a, I would say it's pretty a safe bet that Oklahoma won't have to face him right a week from Saturday. Uh, But as to other teams, I have no clue. So then it becomes, well, can Jason Bean be as effective as he was the first, what, two-thirds of the game against OSU for all of the game for KU to win? Because he's going to have to play that well for four quarters for Kansas to win that game.
0: So with the new Big 12, with the way the Big 12 is going to shake out now with, with all the new teams coming in, some of the old, well, one of the old Big 8 foes in Colorado coming back, which I know for Kansas fans, it's got to be fun. You're, Garen, you're an alumni. I'm sure you talk to people that are Jayhawk fans. Where do they feel like football-wise, as a program, Kansas can be in the new Big 12? Because like for Oklahoma State, for example, they feel like that, you know, they can attack this and actually win some conference championships now with the new look league is Kansas in that same boat. And I guess kind of, you know, piggybacking on that, how much Mm -hmm. uh, monetarily has Kansas put into trying to get to be where they can be in the contention in the big 12?
1: Yeah. The second answer is easier. They, they are finally ponying up and realizing that for as much as basketball does to again, brand KU sports and, and, you know, bring prestige with championships. We all know how great Allen Fieldhouse is, and we all know that KU is going to win you know, 30 games next year, regardless of, of what's going on with, with Bill Self or the roster. That's all great, but football is, is the driver of, of so much of college sports. And I think KU's problem, besides the results on the field, which, which have been obvious, has been the idea that people just haven't attached themselves to that. And, and by, by when I say people, I'm talking donors. And boosters who got to pony up and get things fixed, and when I and it, it's up to Leipold, like the coaches before him, to fix the roster and the football. That's on him, but he can't control outside of winning a few more games, which gets people more excited. He can't control a commitment on behalf of, you know, the jo- you know, the Johnson County people, uh, you know, the West Lawrence people, the deep, po- the deeper pocketed people, who are going to help transform Kansas football into. Uh, something that that would uh, would elevate the program, and they they finally have a model for a renovated stadium after putting up with what they have for so long. Uh, they they do have facilities around that stadium which have been improved the last five to seven years. That's that's a plus, but there's still so much that it that it just doesn't look right. If you go to a football game in Lawrence, you just can't believe that this belongs with everything else you see, even around the Big Twelve. Forget about the SEC or the Big Ten. I'm just talking about the Big Twelve. Um, As far as KU's aspirations in the new look league, I I don't I wouldn't imagine they're as firm as as OSU's could be or Iowa State's, for instance, Uh, TCU's after, you know, coming with a game of winning the national championship a year ago, Uh, maybe even a Utah coming over from the pack because assuming that, you know, Kyle Whittingham's going to stick around another 10 years. But the vibe is, is night and day. Right. You're seeing, you know, actually thirty five, forty thousand fans in that stadium, as faulty as a stadium is. You're seeing a, a willingness to up the ante for Leipold to stay when someone like a Wisconsin starts sniffing around like they might have a year ago or like Michigan State might this year. They need a coach. I would assume they'll call Lance Leipold to see if he might be interested. So the Jayhawks have positioned themselves well. Would I say they positioned themselves as, as well as, as OSU closer to us? uh-uh. They don't have near the recent history of success, uh, the prowess in terms of uh, fan commitment, donor support. They don't have boon you know, they don't, they, they've never had a boon Pickens, right? That that kind of thing. But it's better. And it's, and in fact, it's a lot better than than I ever thought it would be, given how low the program was just, uh, just, what, four years ago before Leipold got a hold of it.
0: How much of, so Kansas State right now is pulling, you know, what what happened last year with Kansas State basketball and what Jerome Tang is doing mm-hmm. there'll be a generation of more Kansas State fans in basketball than the past generation because of the success that he I think will have if he sticks around there and with the NIL investments that they've made right with Kansas football wise how tough how good do they have to be to kind of pull some of that away from Kansas State because there there's this weird phen- phenomenon at least when I was in college in Kansas for the one year of people who were K-State football fans and Kansas basketball fans. Hmm. And they would go to the K-State football games and then go to the KU basketball games. And, you know, I would imagine that's not good for the football program at Kansas or the basketball program at Kansas State. So how good does Kansas need to be to start getting more people to buy in
1: to the football program? And in comparison to, are you saying in comparison to K-State? like uh,
0: yeah yeah like for for example like Leipold if if he if he goes seven and five every year is that good enough or is he going to need to bust off some nine and threes some ten and twos to really start to you know make a dent in what Kansas State has in the Sunflower State right now?
1: yeah I I knowing the the Kansas fan base like I do Todd I think it's more important that he just Win as much as he can, not do anything to embarrass the program or the university, and I don't want to say stay out of Bill Self's way. That's too strong, right? Because I just said that how I just talked about how important football is. So for a football coach at either Kansas or Indiana or or North Carolina or or Duke to stay out of the basketball shadow—that's you could use that language maybe five six years ago before ESPN and Fox started throwing their football weight around and reshaping college sports. Now, I think uh, I do think that puts more of a burden on football coaches in in those shadows to perform. I don't think, though, 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 is what's necessary here. I don't think I'll say here's what I would say, though, as a a caveat, Todd, is that if, in fact, let's say Jalen Daniels finishes this season, does come back to finish this year like he did a year ago and does transfer. And part of the reason he transfers is he wants to be not just in, the, in a brighter spotlight, but he wants to make a little bit Run. more name image likeness money. Well, then you start to have to have those harder conversations, just like you might if, if you're at Oklahoma and you're wondering just how big of a, of a magnet football is to NIL dollars, right? I mean, we, don't we have to take care of, of everyone if we can? we can't forget about everyone outside of the football umbrella as important as it is. That's, that's sort of, I think how it, how it would be in Lawrence with regard to let's make sure we don't forget about our, uh, our A-level football players in relationship to the, the, the first guy off Bill Self's bench for basketball, just in terms of, again, what we can do in IL wise, what we could do attention wise, what we could do branding wise. Um, that I think's more of the battle than what Leipold has to do in comparison to what. Chris Kleiman's doing in Manhattan, right? Or what maybe anyone else is doing in the future Big 12.
0: Did you grow up a KU fan? Like, what What was your connection to Kansas before you went to school there? And how did you get from Booker T. Washington to Kansas?
1: Family on uh, my mom's side has been attached to KU. So it was always a possibility. But Todd, KU is actually a, a destination or has been a destination uni- university out of state for Tulsa kids, uh, because it's only a three and a half hour drive. So you're not going to the end of the earth. If you want to come home and have a nice meal, get some, get your the laundry done, right? Get out of Oliver Hall, which is now torn down, sadly. Um, so I, I joined several classmates who made, made the trip, twir- made the trip. My best friend was my roommate, uh, my freshman year, in fact, in Oliver. And so, um, it, it wasn't anything regarding fandom. It wasn't. You know, I didn't go up there on a rec- you know, on a, on a trip, a tour or whatever, and was just like blown away by the, the campus, although it is a one of the most beautiful campuses in the country. Um, didn't walk into Allen Fieldhouse and think, yeah, I got to come here because it would be cool to sit in, you know, row five behind one of the baskets and, you know, make a fool of myself. I just wanted to get away from home, but not get away away from home, if that right. makes sense. And you could still afford out-of-state tuition back when I was that young. So there you well- go.
0: So if there are so many Tulsa kids and if it is kind of a destination university and for, you know, people up in the northeast corner of the state, Mm -hmm. I would imagine that the Kansas-Oklahoma rivalry, even though it's been a little bit lopsided in basketball Kansas's way and in football Oklahoma's way, Mm -hmm. I would imagine it's a pretty big deal. So for Kansas fans, they've got this bye week. They've got Oklahoma coming in next week. Mm -hmm. How big of a deal is that to have... Oklahoma in their last trip to Lawrence, maybe in their last time playing Kansas in a regular season football game in our lifetimes.
1: Yeah, I wish I could say it's a big deal, but it, it, honestly, I don't know. I I would guess it's it's fairly big. I mean, that's again the mentality is still when when's Oklahoma coming to Allen Fieldhouse? You know, Oklahoma State when you know I it, that that's not that's Not going to change. Light Leip, could still be undefeated going into the Sooners game a week from Saturday, and you'd still have fans thinking you know i could could go to the 11 a.m game or i could buy another round of the wheel (laughs) (laughs) right right Right? um that's the mentality unless it's basketball season and i don't you're right you could make a connection between you know transplanted okies going to school up in lawrence and the need to uh, do well against oklahoma i have two kids who i raised in norman Uh, who went to KU and they lived to play OU, but that was an unusual situation that, that you don't feel that. (laughs) You don't feel that among, you know, the student body or the alumni, I think up there, I uh, there's, there's enough from a KU perspective. There's, there's plenty of tension with regard to the K-State rivalry, and there's still historic tension, even though they don't play each other anymore with regard to Missouri. And so to find, to to sort of find a third share, in. Of, of of sour bitterness, whether it's OU, uh, uh, OSU, or one of the Texas schools, not a whole lot of leftover uh, bitterness after after you get through K State and, and especially Mizzou, which is still a really really sore spot.
0: It's funny, I you know, in my travels with UCO, we go through Kansas a lot, and we stop yeah. at the Newt Rockney rest area or the Wellington right. rest area or right. wherever all the time. And we ran into at I think it was the Newt Rockney rest area. Coming back from Maryville, Missouri, a couple weeks ago, we ran into some Kansas fans, and it was the week they played UCF. I think it was when we were coming back from Maryville, mm-hmm. but they had played UCF, and I saw some fans, and I said, did you go to the game? And the guy said, yeah, we went to the game. And I said, uh, I, saw, I saw Kansas was up by a lot. I didn't see the final score. What did the final end up being? He goes, oh, we left in the third quarter, but we were up by a lot. And he goes, where are you from? And I said, I'm from Oklahoma. And he goes, I was at that double overtime game with Buddy Heald. Like, that's immediately where he went to. So <laughs> yeah. yep. I, I definitely get what you're saying. I can yep. see that vibe from Kansas fans mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I obviously Kansas and Oklahoma, like I said, football-wise, has been very uh, lopsided. Basketball wise, Oklahoma hasn't won up in Lawrence since Terry Evans hit a three. Yeah. Uh, and I was sitting in my mom and dad's minivan outside of Blockbuster Video listening to Bob Sr. on the call for that one back in, what was that, 96, maybe something like that? It was 96. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 94. It was early. Uh, but it's it's been pretty lopsided on both ends of the spectrum. But for Kansas, they're also losing Texas and Kansas's football memories over the last decade yeah. have, have had a lot of big wins over Texas. So I know like you said, it's not like they feel like they're losing a big rival, but mm-hmm. Kansas, Texas has given us a lot of talking points going all the way back to the famous Mark Mangino That's Right BCS moment.
1: That, yeah, yeah, that yeah, where Mangino went sort of public with, you know, what, what every coach thinks but doesn't often say. <laughs> Angino said it. That's right, about making sure Texas is taken care of. Yeah. Um, that's a great point. And in fact, you know, since a lot of our talk is has, you know, swirled over to uh to basketball, some of the best Kansas uh Big 12 moments the last, I don't know, 15 yeah. years have been against Texas because The Longhorns always seem to play really well every time they go to Lawrence. They don't win very often. Not that anyone does, but the the theater and the drama is absurd. You can't.
0: You're playing eight against five, Garen. How can you win? Yeah, I know. How can you win at, you know, Allen Fieldhouse? That's
1: right. That's right. Well, (laughs) and the way that, like, Nick Collison had his 20 point, 20 rebound game where Vital got out of his chair and gave him a standing ovation. I don't know if he that was the first time Dickie Beast did it. He says it is. That was against Texas. Kevin Durant scored like 40 points in the first half of his of his only game at Allen Fieldhouse. That that's that's the kind of stuff that I think. Going back to how the the Jayhawks feel about OU, you know, a, a, I think actually a pretty safe number three in the hatred pecking order when it comes to the KU fan base is probably the, the University of Texas, which is interesting because there's there's not nearly the history there, but. You take the combination of recent events, whether football or basketball, with the just general discontent that if you're not in either Austin or an alum living in Texas, you just feel like if it's eight on five against you when you're in Allen Fieldhouse, uh, it sort of feels like it's you know eighteen on five when you're sometimes playing the Longhorns, especially you know in in any sport in Austin. And so, um, yeah, no, I uh, that will be interesting to see. It might've been a, I'll, I'll put it this way. It might've been a louder and more palpable reaction uh, had Texas come to Lawrence this year for the farewell season instead of Oklahoma. Kansas had to play in Austin, got the doors beat off uh, instead, but that that actually might've been a deal where the students would have stayed all four quarters.
0: Interesting. You know, I talked to John Kurtz uh, who went to Kansas state and covered mm-hmm. Kansas state football for a long time. And, and he said the same thing. He's like most Kansas State fans have respect for Oklahoma. Uh, they don't like Texas, and I mm-hmm. think honestly, Garen, I think mm-hmm. for a lot of people my age, it's the Longhorn Network that did it because they yeah. were, you know, even though Oklahoma had their deal with Fox Sports and then Bally's mm-hmm. or whatever, the Longhorn Network was Texas basically giving everyone else in the conference the finger, and the the rest of the conference not being able to do anything about it. So. That is interesting that that Texas is that hated, not just by Oklahoma, but by all the other teams in the current Big 12 as well. I wonder if that will be the same in the SEC when the Longhorns get there.
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I I think a lot of it just comes down to what Texas has and what others don't. I mean, there's resentment. And I'm not talking about championships. It's, you know, they could... To walk you know walk to, across the 40 acres and and look up but there, there aren't leaves you know being blown down from trees dollar bills right i mean that's that's the reality down there and right they've got they, they've got austin right the best it's not even a town but if it were it'd be the best college town in the conference they have sixth street they have you know the, the they have the cool the coolest easiest easiest recognized logo you know the um they have uh Gosh, you know where I'm going with this. I mean, they have have Matthew McConaughey as their super fan, right?
0: Although I think Jason Sudeikis is higher. Is he really though a
1: KU super fan? I mean, he Paul Rudd is for sure. See, I I land on I would I'm more as a as an alum myself. I'm cooler with Sudeikis and Rudd because I'm big fans of both. But the guy I keep seeing at on game day and at at the fieldhouse every winter is Rob Riggle. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I yeah, got nothing not against not Regal. I got nothing against Regal. I would just rather see Paul Rudd or Jason Sudeikis on game day, you know, as a celebrity picker. So that's all.
0: Um, before we get out of here, Garen, what years were you at Kansas?
1: Uh, 86 to sor- 90.
0: No. I'm sorry to make you date yourself. Go no, ahead. No, no, no.
1: Uh, I just call on the Danny Manning years, 86 to 90. Well, then I know what your best memories were. Yeah, I was going to uh, say Oklahoma, you don't, you don't, right? You don't, even, you don't even have to ask.
0: But how how fun were for those that are too young and I'm right on the edge of it, I was six, seven years old then. <laughs> how fun were those years when Billy Tubbs yeah. uh, and the Sooners were going up and oh, down yeah. the court against the likes of Danny and the Miracles?
1: Yeah, that see there it is there it was. There is where you could feel something when Oklahoma came to Lawrence for a, a game, is when Billy Tubbs was good. You went to the football games because you thought you might get Barry Switzer's autograph or Brian Bosworth might sign during the third quarter because the game was 60, you know, 67 to four or three or I guess not four, but you know what I mean. But Billy Tubbs <laughs> cutting the nets down after a big eight championship at Allen fieldhouse You, you think that went over well, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. man, oh man. Um, but that's also when Norm Stewart was Missouri's coach. He was sort of easy to despise. Johnny Orr as well. Johnny Orr at Iowa State. Jack Hartman at K-State before, you know, our our friend Lon Kruger got a hold of it. Um, Would that have
0: been Danny Knee? Yes.
1: Danny Knee at Nebraska. Um, Leonard Hamilton, I think, was OSU's coach at the time. And I don't know if people cared one way or the other. This isn't meant as a shot at Leonard or the Cowboys, but that wasn't exactly the golden era of OSU basketball. No. So when I was going to school, when OSU played, it was a chance to see Manning again. But when Oklahoma, over that four-year stretch, came to, uh, to the Fieldhouse, that was bitterness. That's probably what I should have mentioned when you asked me about how you know, transplant Okies up in Lawrence feel about playing the Sooners. I wish they could have all experienced what it was like to yell, you know, scream bloody murder at Tubbs every time the Sooners tried to score 100 in Allen Fieldhouse.
0: Uh, I, Tubbs loved it, just from the no level one, I got to interact. Did. That's really what was so great yeah. about
1: him. He loved it. He loved yeah, he it. Did. So um where
0: in so where would you have been work wise during the Blake years?
1: Wichita. And then Okay. Wichita and then one year Wichita and then one year in Tulsa. Okay, so um, in radio, night- not, not yeah, in radio.
0: Right. 1997 the last year kansas beat oklahoma in football eric van had a 99 yard run in that game yeah, i don't know I how remember. much you remember about that game but if you remember anything what do you remember i i
1: don't remember that game i here's this is the one talk about kansas oklahoma in the 90s when glenn mason was the ku coach he was sort of the first miracle mm-hmm. worker, there, right before live he's the one that Pulled Kansas from the depths of of the, of the world famous Bob Valisenti. There's a name that that maybe one half of your listeners might remember. But anyway, the the game I remember uh, between uh, it wasn't Van's game. I think it was '95. June Henley. Uh, he might have been the back, but Kansas went on a. It was in Norman. It was a night game. It was on ESPN because Ku was actually getting pretty good, and it might have been Schnellenberger's year. It it might have been that was '95, right? Yeah. It yeah. might have yep. been. KU had the ball the entire third quarter, I want to say. I mean, seriously, they went on like a 15-minute drive with with Chip Hillary. As, Hillary was a quarterback. I, I know that for a fact. And you should have seen the crowd shots. It, there's nothing – if there's one thing worse than getting beat at home by 50 points, which happened a couple of times uh, soon, soon thereafter at OU, it's when the other team <laughs> refuses to get off the field because – the home team can't do anything to stop that from happening, and it it and was when a, that other team is five minute too. possession in real time
0: yeah, and when that other team is Kansas too I mean go, yeah, it's go like play. this is
1: this is who we're having to this is who we can't stop on third and three like seven straight times yeah no that's that's actually the game from that era that i that I recall
0: all right, rapid fire, Garen. I'm gonna put the first one on the T for you, you knock it right out of the park sure. you gotta go get something to eat in Lawrence, Kansas. where do you go? Uh,
1: I go to Free State brewery on mass street i I know burger stand is a i'm a you know how i feel about the burger stand you know i feel about it but if but if you're talking about dinner a sit-down meal with a couple of uh a couple of pale ales to wash them down a storm chaser maybe a -a yakimaniac i'm going to free state
0: well that's you do the dinner you have the drinks then you go to the burger stand for the late night burger right i mean that's
1: you do them both the late night milkshake also which isn't just milkshake
0: yeah, exactly. Uh okay, so that's that's out of the way. Now, uh what is the one thing from and maybe it's I think you said Oliver was the name of the hall, right? Yeah. What's the one thing from your time at
1: KU that you wish was still there for people to experience? Oh, man, the zoo. Um that was my floor in Oliver that this is selfish. This is a selfish answer, but we had a our floor my freshman year was a mock fraternity. Uh just a bunch of uh, I mean I want to say degenerates that, that might be too strong, but it was, <laughs> it's, it might be fair though. If it's <laughs> hey if the shoe fits, it was, it was borderline, but we put, no, seriously we put on three parties that drew the, we weren't officially Greek, but we got all the Greeks to come to our parties is how organized and, and well-oiled the zoo's machine was Zeta Omega Omega was, was our, our moniker. And we took it very seriously. I'll just say that. Uh, I don't think the zoo lasted. They tried to keep it for the year after everyone left and it may may have made it a couple of weeks and then it you just it wasn't the same. How could it be? And now it's all gone because the building itself has been torn down. So um, I would say the zoo, just for my sake, the uh, the other answer I would give is, is the old KJHK radio studio, which you had no idea where it was, unless you knew you were going, I, I don't suppose you ever tried to find it.
0: No. Yeah. yeah.
1: A, a college radio shack is what it was. I mean, it literally was a shack. What you would think a college radio station would be. And KJ was one of the best college, I, for, for my money, one of the best college stations in the country back when I was going to school there. I don't know where it ranks now, but that would be second is the old KJ building.
0: I think I remember listening to that when we would go into Lawrence every once in a while, just mm-hmm. flipping through the channels. Yeah. Um, as far as athletes that you saw play, 86 to 90, right? Who was the All best right. athlete you saw at Kansas? Is it Danny Manning? I was
1: going to say outside of Manning. I mean, yeah, it was Danny Manning. It, I, there wasn't, I can't even, I, I, I'm i trying to think of anyone who might have been, because again, the football program was just bleh. Right, I mean, it just was awful. Mason, hit, Mason got hired while I was there, but he was still about th- three years away from making something of it. And baseball was pretty lousy. No one really cared back then about the Olympic sports. That was kind of a shame. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was Danny Manning. I, I felt I, I was, here's the other. But you know what? like the coolest memory of of actually being a student and going to games at Allen Fieldhouse wasn't wasn't Manning's. It's so when Archie Marshall, another. uh Tulsa kid, you brought up Tulsa Jayhawks earlier. He played at Edison, right, with Kevin Pritchard, and then both of them went to KU. Archie Marshall blew his knee out twice. Second time essentially cost him his career, and he never had a shot to come back and play again. He did get back on the floor for senior night against OSU, and the Cowboys backed off defensively and with like a minute left in the game because it was about a sixteen point you know margin at that time, and they let Mar- Marshall shoot a three with about 20 seconds left. On the clock. I thought that was awesome. Just a beautiful moment for a really sweet kid. Mar- Marshall could have been a really special player. Uh, we'll never know that, but he was a real sweet soul. And just, just seeing him suit up and, and, and launch one more shot was, was about the teariest moment that I ever spent in that building.
0: Gary Namig, last question. All, right. All you got to give me is this answer, and it'll be the last one. Yep. Who's on the Mount Rushmore of KU Sports?
1: That would be Manning. That would be Gail Sayers. That would be just. Four. I got it. My math is right. Four. Mm-hmm. Sayers, Manning, Jim Ryan. The uh, the runner would be three. And um, oh boy, gosh, man, could it be a coach too? Yeah, sure. Uh, Fall Allen
0: didn't go with the inventor of basketball. Interesting. interesting no, he interesting, wasn't. He, he had
1: a losing record, dude.
0: He did. He did. He had a losing record. The only one. <laughs> but you know what? He didn't wear a toupee. And on that note, we oh, are out of time. I knew you weren't going to get through the show. Yeah. On that note, we are out of time. Garen, I really appreciate you joining me. Garenemig.com, Check out all of Garen's stuff. Uh, Mind Games with Garen Emig as well. Go check that out. Subscribe on YouTube. <laughs> if you like what you've heard or seen, Go subscribe uh, on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. If you don't like what you've heard or seen, I would hate it if you went and subscribed on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And don't forget to leave a comment or a review as well. Thanks to Jacqueline Musgrove. Thanks to Michael Lane as well. This is The Todd Pod. We'll talk to you next time.